All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to the Daily Face-Off Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Daily Face-Off Show. Today is Thursday, June 30th. It's the pre-Canada Day edition of the Daily Face-Off Show. He is dailyfaceoff.com, managing editor and senior writer, Matt Larkin. Matt, how you doing? I'm good, Frank. I'm feeling festive. My next door neighbor's blaring some club beats right now. We have maybe a Canada Day that isn't free agency day for the last time ever. We might get back to the normal schedule next year. So I'm feeling celebratory. Nice. Yeah. Had a little pre-4th of July party on Wednesday night. So I'm right there with you. Uh, Big weekend on tap on both sides of the border. Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and let's drop the puck with this. The trade that broke yesterday afternoon, the Los Angeles Kings acquiring Kevin Fiala from the Minnesota Wild in exchange for Brock Faber, who is one of the captains at the University of Minnesota, as well as their 2022 first round pick, which is number 19 overall. Matt, give me your impressions of the deal. Do you like one side better than the other? Well, it's weird, Frank. I know we're in this binary era on Twitter where we're supposed to love and hate everything, but I actually like the deal a lot for both sides. If we accept the context that we know the Wild are in a bad cap situation with the buyouts for Parise and Suter, I think they made out pretty well here. Brock Faber, he's one of those prospects who, if they redid that draft, he'd already be a first rounder. He led the U.S. Olympic team in minutes. I think he's a really nice prospect. And you get a first round pick in a draft that has a lot of variance in the back half of that first round. So 
If you're picking 19th, it might be the same as picking 12th. It might be the same as picking 40th. But there's a lot of potential to get a legitimate player with value, I think, in that pick. And from the Kings' perspective, I get it. This is a team that has reached its critical mass. We said that last summer. I said it as well. They accumulated so much young draft capital. Rob Blake, 2017, that's his first draft. In five drafts, he gets six first-round picks, eight second-rounders. And then you acquire Sean Dursey, Carl Gunstam, Trevor Moore. You have that critical mass. And then we see uh, the summer of 2021, you sign Philip Deneau. You trade futures for Victor Arvidsson. That signals that the Kings are shifting from rebuild to contention mode. So I'm not surprised to see them go all in, make a big splash. It's a big price to pay, of course, but I get it. This team is ready to contend in the Pacific Division. Kevin Fiala is going to help a lot there. He's a great player, a great scorer. Yeah, and the door is wide open there in the Pacific as well to step on in. The Edmonton Oilers are there. The Vegas Golden Knights are there. The Calgary Flames are there. But why not the LA Kings as they continue to build, acquiring an 85-point player in Kevin Fiala? For me, I tend to like the return a bit better for the Minnesota Wild. And the reason for that is we knew they weren't going to be bringing this player back. You know, he was someone that they couldn't afford. They were not going to be issuing a qualifying offer. And the fact that they're able to get a prospect in favor who a lot of scouts project to be a number four defenseman in the NHL and someone that could be contributing in relatively short order while you have that cap crunch on an entry-level contract. In addition to the first-round pick, you can get a quality player at number 19 overall this year. This is one of those years in the draft, Matt, that, you know, you could be landing, a, a, you know, who knows? Who's to say that the player taken 19? or 17th or 24th overall is not going to be the best player in this draft. We don't know that yet. It's all over the place. And think back to some previous years and some of the other players picked later in first rounds that really turned out to be good quality players in the NHL. For the Kings, I get it. I get why you want to do it. I Personally, I just I don't like the extension. Seven years times 7.875. And I know that Fiala would command that. But for me, when I'm looking at the salary cap and I'm, I'm sort of charting out where each player fits on a team, to be making that kind of money, you really need to be a play driver for a team. And I'm just not entirely sold that Kevin Fiala is. I feel like that season was a bit of a statistical outlier. And I wonder what he's going to look like on a new team if that contract ultimately a few years from now is really going to look tough. We'll see. Um, but that's, you know, certainly understand why the Kings would pull the trigger and make the move. I love the aggressive nature of the Kings at this point, as you pointed out. Uh, let's talk about the Florida Panthers and Anthony Duclair. He will have surgery on Friday to repair a torn Achilles suffered in offseason training. Tough blow for Duclair. Tough blow for the Florida Panthers, or is it? Because they're a team that is also facing a significant cap crunch. He's got two seasons left on his deal at $3 million. And now all of a sudden, it kind of feels like the Panthers have a little bit of an opening here to maybe, I don't know, it's a pressure relief valve. It takes a little bit off of the heat to get a guy like E2 Lusterinen under contract, as we pointed out in our story on dailyfaceoff.com, Matt, on Wednesday, that he was a potential offer sheet target based on the cap crunch that the cats are feeling. And you look at the rest of the group that they've, you know, they've got some big decisions to make this summer in terms of who stays, who goes. And now they kind of have a little bit of freedom uh, for Duclair, a guy that was really productive player, but also in the playoffs ended up being a healthy scratch. 
Yeah, it's interesting. To me, I do see a little bit of relief. I don't think there's as much relief as everyone thinks because you have to factor in the idea that Duclair is a bargain. You look at the production as a Florida Panther since he joined the team, 29 goals, 63 points per 82 games. But that's sort of a $5 million player. The reality is that he's a $3 million player. So even if he's going to be on LTIR all season, which it sounds like he is with an injury that serious, you're still only saving $3 million. I do think it's going to help, but it's not like it's going to be the difference between chasing or not chasing a big ticket free agent. To me, the guy I'm looking at that could be the beneficiary from the Panthers standpoint is Mason Marchman. Mm -hmm. So big breakout, 47 points in 54 games. It's still a relatively small sample size with that breakout for a guy who I don't think coming up was ever expected to score that much. So maybe you can get him at an AAV similar to what you were playing playing or paying Anthony Duclair. And I think he could slide into that top six. He's shown the ability to do it. He was a great third liner for most of the year. But I do wonder now, maybe you can fit him. If you look at the big picture for the Panthers, the cap problems to worry about down the road, I don't think Duclair really impacts them because we're looking at Jonathan Ubrido's next contract, Mackenzie Weger's next contract. And that factors in for 2023-24, not this coming season. Yeah, totally agree and get what you're saying. I, I don't, Marchman is such an interesting case. Like he had such a huge chunk of his season come in one game with that seven point game that he had. And I feel like a lot of teams out there as he's close to hitting the market 13 days from now when free agency opens, it's like everyone I've talked to seems to suggest buyer beware. Do you know what you're getting with Mason Marchman? And if you're going to be giving term and significant dollars for a player that had that breakout season, do you know what you're getting? And I don't know that a lot of teams know the answer to that. I wonder if the Florida Panthers, even having had him in their system for a bit now, are saying, do we really know what we'd be getting if we're signing this guy to a longer term ticket? So uh, for a lot of those reasons we just outlined, let's talk about GM under pressure this offseason. There's a pretty long list of candidates. But for me, Bill Zito and the Panthers come right to the top of the list because they're coming off of a 122-point season because they won the President's Trophy, because they flamed out in the second round with a sweep at the hands of the Tampa Bay Lightning, that when you look at the guys that may be walking out the door as potential unrestricted free agents, that there's a real chance, and you made a really bold bet in not bringing back your coach who finished as the runner-up in the Jack Adams, that the Panthers could be taking a step back next season. How do they guard against that? What types of move does Bill Zito need to make this summer to, to get and, and keep his team at the top of the Atlantic division, which is always competitive? Um, who is your guy that's most under pressure, Matt, this summer? It's funny. I think a lot of people are going to point to Kyle Dubas and the Toronto Maple Leafs. But if you were at the end of season presser, which I was, I didn't feel pressure toward Kyle Dubas, at least not internally. There's a sense that they really want to run back a lot of what they already have. So I didn't really feel that pressure. I'm looking at Ken Holland and Edmonton because the expectations for this franchise have been raised now. You go to the conference final, there's always the sense that you want to maximize the window with Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. But it's crazy to me just how wide the range of outcomes is for a team that just made the conference final. You don't know if you're going to re-sign Evander Kane. Maybe you can get him cheaper than other teams will. There's always going to be risk when it comes to Evander Kane. You don't know if Mike Smith is coming back. Is he going to retire? Is it going to be a soft retire where you can stash him on LTIR? Are you going to buy out Zach Cashin? There are so many questions. Even if I look at the Oilers' defense core, and you have to wonder, are they going to bring back Brett Kulak, who I think was a really underrated acquisition? But I always say about the Oilers' blue line, 
Other than Darnell Nurse, in my opinion, every single guy in that top six is playing a pair higher than he actually should be based on his talent level, based on his ability to defend, whether it's Cody CC, Tyson, Tyson Berry, the list goes on and on. So you have to find a way, I think, to address that defense core. You have two important RFAs as well in Carling Yamamoto and Yessi Pugliarvi. I know there's been talk on your trade target board, Frank, about maybe trading one of them. So there's just so much up in the air. And that to me says the Oilers, they're point range next year? Could they fall back and be an 85-point team? Could they emerge as a major contender, be a 110-point team? It's so wide, and to me, that makes this offseason extremely important for Ken Holland. Yeah, it is most definitely a critical one for Ken Holland and the Edmonton Oilers. Tyson Barry prominently featured. You were speaking about that back end on our trade targets board, and we'll talk about that shortly. But let's first dive into the goalie market, which, as you mentioned, is such a big piece of what Edmonton tries to accomplish this summer. Who is going to be playing with Mike Smith next year for the Oilers? Will Mike Smith even be playing next season? The Oilers needing an answer here in the next couple days, probably by the July 4th holiday on what the status of Smith is uh, moving forward. Going to be a big one. So let's dive into the goalie market and let's look at the teams that are in need of a goaltender. And we'll run through our list uh, that we throw up here. It's it's a wide range because you've got a few teams, Matt, that are looking for starters, uh, mainly the Leafs and the Oilers. Uh, The Washington Capitals, I think, are also probably in that category. What is the status of Robin Leonard and the Vegas Golden Knights? We know the Devils are looking for one. They seem to be really interested in Jack Campbell. Colorado Avalanche, Darcy Kemper, the cup winner, is a pending unrestricted free agent. I mean, go through this list. When you look at it, which team stands out to you as as the biggest need in net? It's a crazy list. I think you have to look at the Edmonton Oilers for sure, whether you're bringing back Mike Smith or not. He was obviously fun television in the playoffs, but he was quite an adventure. And the question is, do you go aggressive and pursue someone like Kemper? Or do you go for sort of, I think, a forgotten discount option like Braden Holtby? It's crazy how young Braden Holtby actually is. He's only in his early 30s. I think he's, what, 32 years old. It feels like he's been around forever. There's a local connection to Western Canada there. So that, to me, is sort of a sleeper you could consider if you're the Edmonton Oilers. I also, of course, you have to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's tough because there is a sense that they're going to move on from Jack Campbell. On the other hand, at the end of season sort of exit meetings in the pressers, he expressed how much he loved playing under pressure in Toronto. Not all goaltenders do. And it's weird because there's a sense they want to upgrade, but goaltender is so fickle. Is Darcy Kemper, for example, an upgrade? He had one of the worst save percentages in the playoffs. You don't even know for sure that it's an upgrade. And and Jack Campbell, he lost in consecutive playoffs to Carey Price and Andre Vasilevsky. doesn't matter who your starter was, you'd be outgunned in net in those scenarios. So to me, I have to wonder if you're the Leafs, is there actually a better option than Jack Campbell out there? Because if you look at the guys that are going to cost more, I don't know for sure that they're more effective. Well, it also sounds like Jack Campbell himself is going to be pretty expensive. So you've already gone down that route and you haven't won and he's going to be expensive. I think that's probably why they end up moving on. Just some news and tidbits from around the NHL this morning on the goalie front. Uh, If we want to throw that graphic up there again, Craig Anderson re-signing in Buffalo, a one-year deal, base salary of $1.5 million. We heard uh, Wild GM Bill Guerin mention on Wednesday after the Fiala trade that he would like to try and find a way to bring back Marc-Andre Fleury to play in tandem with Cam Talbot next season. Vili Husso sounds like he's moving on from the St. Louis Blues. I wanted to connect him back to Edmonton because I think the Oilers are certainly interested in Vili Husso. The Penguins are looking for someone to play in tandem with Tristan Jari. 
And the Philadelphia Flyers are likely in the market for a backup to sit behind Carter Hart as he actually had a better season than most realized for the Flyers last year. Matt, let's dive into the Trade Targets board. A new one will be posted on dailyfaceoff.com shortly with uh, this week's edition of Icebreakers. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Okay, Frank, it's time for the latest edition of Icebreakers, which is, of course, delivered by DoorDash. There's my dig dong. And we've got some new additions to your trade targets board coming later today. Always a great read. So let's start with the goaltenders. We're already in the goaltending mindset. So there are a couple new additions on the list. Who are they? Yeah, Alexander Georgiev and Peter Morazic, and probably not a real shock for either one to be added to the list, but Georgiev, the Bulgarian blocker, as I like to call him, uh, very unlikely to come back to the Rangers. Had a winning record, probably a disappointing season with that 898 save percentage of goals against closing in on three. And he was already making $2.65 million last season. The Rangers are in a spot where they're trying to be ultra competitive. They probably can find a cheaper option on the goaltending market to back up Igor Shesterkin, who's the new king of New York. And they're going to certainly be in the process of trying to unload Georgiev 
Um, when you look at what the potential return might be like, I think that's where there's a bit of a discrepancy. They view Georgiev as sort of the upper echelon of the young netminders who are ready to take the crease. He thinks that he's ready to be a number one in the NHL. The problem with that is the market historically on the trade front has not been strong. You have to only look back to Alex Nedeljkovic going from the Carolina Hurricanes to the Detroit Red Wings last year. He brought back just a third round pick. And in that case, well, the Rangers last summer were asking for a first. I don't think they get anywhere near that, especially after the season that Georgiev had. And so that's going to be an interesting name to watch. Are they willing to trade him for that type of return or will they just, you know, stick with him and and eat a potentially higher salary given the games played and, and his career numbers to this point, even if he's closer to around three million bucks? Peter Mrazek, on the other hand, what a disastrous contract that's been for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Two more seasons at $3.8 million for a guy that inspired no confidence, could not stay healthy, and was given multiple opportunities to run with the ball, grab the crease of the Leafs after Jack Campbell both struggled last season and also went down with injury for a prolonged period of time. Mrazek was unable to do that. And for a Leafs team where, Matt, every single dollar counts on their cap, well, Mrazek chewing up 3.8 for each of the next two seasons doesn't work. The problem with that is they're very unlikely at this point to buy him out because that just prolongs the pain. It gives you four years of cap pain from Mrazek instead of just two. I think they'd prefer to trade him, but the problem is it's going to be very expensive to do so as well to convince a team to take on a contract like that. I still remember back in the day, a scout told me his nickname for Peter Mrazek was Peter Erratic, and it's still ringing true throughout his career. Uh, there are a couple of bigger name forwards added to the list, both 25 years old. So tell me, why are they available? Who might be the suitors? Yeah, Brock Besser and Travis Konechny. You know, Besser, it's very interesting to see how things have gone with the Vancouver Canucks. They've made very little progress. And for a team that really seems to be interested in bringing Besser back on an extension, well, it, the talks have been kind of cold. Uh, he's due a $7.5 million qualifying offer on July 11th by 5 p.m. Eastern. And I don't have any doubt that they'll do that. I think that's the worst case scenario. I think ultimately, you know, there seems to be a hang up on what type of deal would we be doing here? Is there interest in a long-term deal? The answer seems to be no. Can we find some sort of midterm deal, a two or a three-year deal? What does the AAV look like in that case? Is it below 7.5? Is, you know, who knows? They haven't been able to really even get and dive into substantive discussions to this point. And so it kind of seems like a sort of, I don't know if you even want to call it a worst case scenario, because I don't think it's the worst case, but to bring him back on a one-year deal at 7.5 and more or less just kick the can down the road, I think the reaction has been uh, more or less from the Besser camp is like, well, if you're not really sold on the player, like why don't we just make a trade here like why don't you move on and, and get a strong return for Brock Besser that may be easier said than done given that contract scenario and situation and with Travis Konechny a bit different uh, certainly a bit of a different player even though they're the same age um, Konechny is a guy whose goal scoring has really fallen off a cliff 24-24 and he was on pace for 30 goals in that pandemic shortened season in 2019-20 Hasn't gotten back to that level. You see just 16 last year in 79 games played. He's someone that the Flyers, Matt, as they got close to the deadline, were 
I would say entertaining exploratory discussions about Travis Konechny before the deadline. And I don't think they ever really got serious, but what I think that did do is lay the groundwork for what may come in a potential trade. And I think the big question that the Flyers are asking themselves at the moment is, is Travis Connecting the type of player who will flourish and continue to grow under John Tortorella, or is he a player that might sag and his production might sag? So where is Travis Connecting in his career arc? Where is he heading? How much better can he get? Or is this sort of the type of player that you're going to get for the long term? Nothing wrong with that. Still a valuable piece. But the thing is, there may be other teams out there, Matt, that see Travis Konechny as a bit more valuable than the Flyers do themselves. Mm -hmm. Very interesting names to add. And Brock Besser to me, for someone who's such a great shooting talent, still does not have a single 30-goal season in the NHL due to injuries. It's pretty crazy. Uh, I want to talk Nick Haig now. Really big just monstrous defenseman, six foot six, ice time way up, 1840 he played per night this year with Vegas. It feels like he's someone on the rise and yet he's on the block. So tell me why. Well, it's simply just numbers. The Vegas Golden Knights and their cap crunch, it's real. You mentioned the size. You mentioned the minutes. Also, a big uptick in minutes, up 20% from last season, going from 16 to 1840. And um, for someone, you're looking at his career points. He was sort of in that, you know, 14, 17, 20 point range each of the last couple of seasons. His game took a pretty big step forward last year. Um, and so the Golden Knights are in this spot. I think ultimately they'd like to keep him. I don't think the contract is going to knock anyone's socks off in terms of what it looks like next. But can they really afford it? I, I view Nick Haig and I think some other teams do as a more or less prototypical number five defenseman. Can play on your second pair, can play on your third pair, depending on the situation on a really solid team. He's probably a good third pair guy. And there's just an opportunity to pry him and potentially some others out of Vegas, given the spot that they're in with their cap. They also need to... Uh, extend or, or try and find a new deal for Nikola Waugh up front. He was another guy that was on our uh, our offer sheet candidate watch list that we posted on Wednesday. Just someone that they, they'd like to keep these guys. They just may not be able to given the spot that they're in. I see. And uh, the latest edition of Trade Targets, it drops later today. So I think we have a graphic showing the top 10. And what are you looking for today that you want people to notice that really stands out about the latest edition, Frank? Well, Kevin Fiala was in the number two spot, so a lot of guys around him slide up. Blake Wheeler pops up into the number two hole. You know, a lot of talk in the last couple of days about Alex DeBrinkett and the Chicago Blackhawks and announcing Luke Richardson as their head coach. Their GM, Kyle Davidson, was saying, you know, we're certainly open to the idea of trading Alex DeBrinkett. I don't get the sense at the moment that anything is front burner. Um, I don't think that the Fiala trade had any sort of impact on what the return might be like to bring it's under contract, even though he does have a big qualifying offer at $9 million after this next season ends. But as a two-time 40-goal scorer, I think the return is is significantly different, especially for Debrinkit, who is also a bit younger than Fiala as well. So um, that's a pretty good look at the top five. And as we look at the other uh, five that round out the top 10, I'm really curious about the Devils and that number two overall pick. Is someone going to step up and entice GM Tom Fitzgerald? I wonder, Matt, if this is one of those transactions, if it does happen at all, depending on what the Montreal Canadiens do with that number one pick, is does someone fall or someone slide to them that they otherwise might not have expected to go uh, that might potentially open the door for 
GM Tom Fitzgerald to get a call at his draft table. They've said that they're open to it. Uh, Tony D'Angelo and the Carolina Hurricanes appear to be no closer on an extension there in Carolina, also as a pending restricted free agent. So lots to watch. And uh, Matt, the funny thing about this time of year is we are now less, uh, we are exactly, I should say, one week away from the start of the NHL draft is we're in this time where GMs are kind of doing the dance, the dance that's required to uh, to make things happen in the, on the trade front. No real sort of progress, lots of uh, lots of tire kicking and lots of, uh, hey, well, what kind of price are you looking for? And then they probably go back and have about nine internal meetings before they finally actually get to the point where they consummate the trade. Another reason why I love the Fiala trade on Wednesday, the Minnesota Wild just saying, hey, point blank, we, we were not qualifying Kevin Fiala. We weren't bringing him back. We got what we felt like was a really good offer and we're pulling the trigger. So if you if you had any interest in Kevin Fiala, get your final offer in because the Minnesota Wild were like, enough, uncle, we need to move on. And I wonder if a couple other teams get to that point soon. Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, I, I was supposed to wrap that. So uh, this icebreaker segment has delivered, been delivered by DoorDash. My apologies there. You see the promo codes there at the bottom of your screen. I just see Matt nodding at me. I'm like, what is happening here? Promo codes at the bottom of your screen there, D-F-O-D-D if you're in Canada, D-F-O-D-D-U-S if you're in the United States. That gets you 25% off and free delivery on your first order. All your favorites and more delivered right to your door by DoorDash. Smooth, very smooth, Frank. It's now time for our daily face-off inbox question of the day. Hashtag ask DFO. Let's throw this one up there from Noah. He says, what's happening in Winnipeg? Is this a rebuild? Could Hellebuck be the next one in trade talks? Matt, what do you think? Oh my goodness. It's a really hard situation trying to figure out the Winnipeg Jets. I think this is trending toward retool rather than rebuild. If you're pursuing Barry Trotz as hard as they reportedly were, that's not a team that's looking to rebuild and blow it up. That means you still were thinking of yourself at least potentially as a contender. But to me, it's strange because there just seems to be so many of the big names in Winnipeg that might be on the block, whether it's Blake Wheeler, obviously on the trade target sport. Mark Scheifele is someone whose name keeps coming up. Nikolai Ehlers, even Pierre-Luc Dubois. I remember a few months back talking to a source and I was saying, oh, well, his dad is, of course, coaching in Manitoba. It feels like a good fit. And the source said, ah, not so fast. Slow down about that extension. I said, oh, okay. So I don't even know for sure if he wants to be there long term. And to me, I'm wondering if we're going to see some major hockey trades with the Winnipeg Jets, because if we sort of put all the pieces together, it doesn't sound like that's a very harmonious room right now. Maybe this team still wants to contend and build around Kyle Connor, and you still have your franchise goaltender in Connor Hellebuck. I don't think you want to give him away too easily, but maybe something needs to change just from a team chemistry standpoint. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I think, you know, when you look at Blake Wheeler and his tenure there, the one hold a holdover, I should say, from the Atlanta Thrashers days, just someone that I think sort of run its course there. And, and Hellebuck, two years remaining at uh, just north of $6 million in the AAV. 
think they're in any sort of rush, but I'd be real curious to see if and when he has the opportunity to get to market, would he choose to stay in Winnipeg? Maybe they had that off at the pass at a certain point, but I think given what you mentioned and given the fact that they were trying to uh, to bring in someone like Barry Trotz, like they don't appear to be destined for a retool or a rebuild. I think they're just trying to rejig things. Uh, get some of those younger players more of an opportunity, get Nick Ehlers some more playing time. I don't think they're going to be moving Mark Shifley. He's been taken off of our trade targets board with the latest intel that we have. So certainly appears to be a shakeup coming, but they also need to hire a coach. And it seems like they're getting a little bit closer. Some of the names that were reported on Thursday include Scott O'Neill, Rick Tockett, Jim Montgomery, Jeff Blashill, and Pascal Vincent as well. Uh, we have one more question on the uh, Daily Faceoff inbox question of the day brought to you by PointsBet. And uh, if you could flash that up there, I think we have one more, do we? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's uh, another faux pas on my part. Just uh, just one inbox question today uh, delivered by PointsBet. So now that brings us to garbage time, Matt. And we are closing in, as I mentioned, on one week until the NHL draft. What an environment it's going to be in Montreal. The Bell Center is going to be buzzing. The Canadians are picking number one overall and hosting it's the first time that's happened since the mid-80s when the Toronto Maple Leafs selected Wendell Clark. I think that was at the Toronto Civic Center, if I'm not mistaken. And so in this case, they've got their pick of the litter. Kent Hughes was saying on the DFO rundown, their GM last week, choice is good, but what choice will they make? And it's a good question. And I think it should be a question. A lot of people are talking about Shane Wright as the safest pick on the board, but I want to describe a player for you, Frank. Hyper-intelligent, makes others around him better, responsible at both ends of the ice, very coachable. Am I describing Shane Wright? No, I am not. I am describing Nick Suzuki, the player that's already the number one center on the Montreal Canadiens. I think his profile is extremely similar to Shane Wright's, and I'm wondering if there's potential redundancy there. Yes, Shane Wright is an extremely safe pick. You can't go wrong with him, but I don't know about that ceiling. And I wonder if Montreal Canadiens are better off targeting a player with a much bigger ceiling. To me, to shout out Chris Peters, our prospect expert, that's Logan Cooley. That's the guy with the ceiling to be a 90-point player, the best talent in the draft, the fastest skater among the top-end guys that are supposed to be going close to the top. And if you look at the Stanley Cup champion, Colorado Avalanche, you have your Nathan McKinnon and your Nazem Kadri. Kadri is more, can get his nose dirty, play at both ends of the ice. Nathan McKinnon is your potent offensive force. Whether it's Kuznetsov and Backstrom, you could go and look at various teams that have won the Cup recently. Crosby Malkin, there's always one guy that's good at both ends of the ice, one guy who's committed more to offense. And I think if you're building the Habs, I think you need a player that can be a potential top scorer. And it's funny, we talk about the Habs not having the number one overall pick since the 80s. You know what else they have not had since the mid-1980s? A top 10 scorer in the NHL, Mats Naslin, 1985-86. Frank, I believe you were not born yet. That was the last time Montreal had a player in the top 10 in scoring in the NHL. It's time to take a swing and get a player with more upside, better compliment to Nick Suzuki in my mind. It would be a bold bet. I mean, just talking to a head amateur scout this morning, he was saying if he was the Habs, he would still take uh, Shane Wright in this case. And the reason for that is the safety of that pick. Um, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with having two Nick Suzuki's if you can slot Shane Wright in at the number two spot. Your team would be pretty well built down the middle. Uh, Uri Slavkovsky, still some question marks about his production and his game, even though he showed better. And the idea was if Shane Wright had 
you know, played as well as he looked a couple years back in the U18s and in some other tournaments, well, we probably wouldn't even be talking about that. Can Shane Wright get back to that level? I don't know. Uh, a week to go, I, I just my brain is exploding trying to be in, in the shoes of Kent Hughes, uh, trying to figure this out along with Jeff Gordon to get it right because all eyes are going to be on him right from the very beginning. And the, the Habs fans are going to want someone who can step into the lineup right away. And that might not even be the case. So uh, one other quick tidbit to pass along, Matt, while we were talking today on the show, uh, just some news from the Toronto Maple Leaf side. They have granted Ilya McKay have permission to talk to some other teams, perhaps sort of like a Zach Hyman situation last year that they could recoup an asset and trade his rights. If someone wants to get the deal done ahead of time, the Edmonton Oilers, they balked at that idea last year. They're like, oh, we're good. We'll just hold out until free agency opens and not give up anything to sign this player that we already are uh, pretty infatuated with. So Ilya McKay have a uh, pretty clear indication not coming back to the Toronto Maple Leafs. No shock as he had not been negotiating with the Leafs to this point. Same thing with Jack Campbell up until now. So that'll do it for today's edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. We are off on Friday and on Monday to celebrate on both sides of the border. Canada Day on Friday, the 4th of July on Monday, and we will pick it back up on Tuesday as we will be en route to the NHL draft in Montreal. Going to be a fantastic week. Lots going on. Buckle up. And in the meantime, keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from around the NHL. We will talk to you on Tuesday, 12 noon Eastern. You know where to find us. Until then, have Have a great long weekend, no matter where you're celebrating, and be safe. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.